What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Shot in the Dark Edition. Sometimes I get stumped <laughs> for clever teases. You know, it's funny. I always thought it'd be interesting to listen. If you listen to our shows from the first one to the most recent one, which I, I don't recommend you do. That that might be a health hazard, you know. But uh, But we do have people, and still, even very recently, I've got another email from somebody saying they're working their way through the whole catalog wow. of what the if episodes which is fantastic we are 300 plus episodes i believe at this point uh, okay. 300 maybe 310 something like that um and uh, so kudos to you but nonetheless you would hear the evolution of the program first there was no music mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember matt in the very beginning we were we were so low on uh, resources that uh, we would make sound effects with our mouth that was the, <laughs> the extent of this that's hard to believe. I guess that was before we hired the band. That's right. Oh, yeah. It was way before the band. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, one of those things which has evolved, which is I, uh, I throw in a strange, usually, I, I aim to be clever, tease. Um, that was a tease for the if of the week, which is the thought experiment mm. of the week. Stay tuned for that. Coming up in just a moment, we will be rending the universe uh, unusable for the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, so, so, so get, use it while you can. Um, uh, how are things, Matt, you have, uh, um, once again, you've brought a special guest, special fam- new family member to the uh, studios this week. Uh, I have indeed. She is particularly, uh, voracious and destructive this morning. So <laughs> if you hear the sounds of books being chewed on, um, it is not me. It is in fact Freya the Puppy. Ray the puppy, who is now how how many pounds? You said forty something. No, forty three, I think. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and just getting bigger and bigger, um, and her her paws remain out of proportion to her body, so she's still going to be getting bigger. Wow, and bigger and wow. bigger. We'll Can see. you measure? I I imagine you could measure her paws, and it would you could then estimate what her size would be. Um, that would be an interesting kind of. Prognostication. Yeah. I don't know if there is um, a, a practice of that. Yeah. So, if any of our listeners know about that, yeah, you know. I bet ChatGPT knows about that. Or it'll it'll give you some, it'll give well, you an answer. I'll say it does. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's just definitely not the same. One thing. ton. Um, Gabby, how are you? Any special guests in the studio on your end? No special guests, at least not of my own will. The last <laughs> week, a moth got into our apartment, which oh. was like a whole shebang. Um, so oh, no. I don't know if it's still lurking around here somewhere, in which case, yes, it would be my special guest. Oh. Can neither confirm nor deny that there may be a guest in the studio. Wow. Now, you you have a cat <laughs> as well, right? The cat, cats and moths go together spectacularly. Yeah, it is possible Munch ate it. Oh, um, <laughs> Munch. I, like I said, I have not seen it. And Munch is named appropriately. <laughs> she will eat bugs. Um <laughs> But I, yeah, I haven't seen it. I also haven't seen Munchkin run around suddenly like a lunatic chasing something. But this was a gigantic yeah. moth. 
Wow. So I feel like I would have, I would have heard a crunch if she ate it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. High protein moth. Yeah. 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 I mean, this thing was big. Interesting. Interesting. We'll have to do something on moths or butterflies or things like that. I had a side saw a butterfly the other day and I thought it was very beautiful. But if I see a moth, the, in other words, if I saw the exact same creature without colors, it's disgusting. I actually really like moths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, some of them are very colorful. There's um, there was one I encountered once in like Pennsylvania that it looked like you you remember like the, the kids like tricks yogurt that's like bright pink or like bright yeah. yellow or like it's like a swirl together. Maybe this is me being like a, a child of the 90s. Um, but this <laughs> moth looked like that. It looked like a tricks yogurt like moth color because it was like that pastel yellow and like this like bright pink. Awesome. It was very pretty. I think it's a rosy wow. maple moth. That's awesome. I'll have to look that up. Um, uh, rounding out the guests in the studio segment, uh, uh, the wildlife, uh, the mutual of Omaha wild kingdom <laughs> segment of the show. Um, my cat, my cat's name is Mosey, M-O-Z-Y, I spell it, um, because she moseyed in through the backyard, uh, through the back door to the patio uh, one day. Seven years ago to the day, uh, mm, two ah. days ago. So it was Mosey's seventh anniversary, I would say. And um, uh, I celebrated, as always, with the uh, ceremonial reenactment of the event, followed <laughs> by uh, <laughs> treats for her and me. So, yeah, good. Wow. So is the ceremonial reenactment like you bring her out yeah. in the backyard and she has to walk back in again? Well, I, I carry her back in, yeah. Because she would <laughs> probably not want to come back in. She chase butterflies. Um, so, yeah. Um, we have a, a wonderful um, a Patreon supporter. By the way, those who, those of you who don't know a Patreon, you hear me mention it at the beginning of the show. Patreon is our membership program. As I sip my coffee for full effect, um, if you are not a member and you or you don't know what that is, if you've heard us mention it many times, and you're sort of, you're like, I don't really know what that is. Today's the day. I recommend you go check it out. Uh, Patreon.com. Uh, slash what the if is a membership program and we have wonderful um, contributors there people who really support the show and uh, if you're listening and you're not a member you are listening um, because of the efforts of these people who are members and, and I recommend you join as well there's all kinds of cool rewards that you can have by becoming a member including extended episodes you get all I mean so many many hours of content now we've done uh, just for our patreon supporters so go check it out um, one of our uh, our favorite uh, and uh, I was going to say newest, but he's become long time long time Patreon supporter. He's been around for a little while now. Dan uh, and Dan says Dan Floyd um, sent us in a uh, suggestion for uh, the topic of the show this week, which we call the if because the show is called what the if. This is the if. Uh -huh. And uh, here, so here's for, so basically, I'm going to read Dan's email, which means. I'm going to the mailbag. Haven't done this in a while. Oh. All right. Going to the mailbag. By the way, shout out, shout out to Gabby and all my uh, other friends from Maryland. Uh, the flowers I am growing on the uh, patio this year are uh, black-eyed Susans, mm. the state flower of Maryland. So they were blooming for Mosey Day this year. And Dan writes in... <laughs> uh, his topic suggestion, Dan says, what if, what the if, 
everyone, were blind. He says, greetings, Philip, Gabby, and Matthew. Before I get to my if, says Dan, I was wondering if you all have titles uh, that you like to be addressed by, like doctor, etc., or are first names preferred? So, uh, Matt, you are a you are a doctor. Uh, that is true. Um, uh, so, no, generally I go by first name. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess my students cycle through professor and doctor. Um, hey, you, <laughs> um, <laughs> depending on their mood. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so you you'll go by Matt for the for the sake of uh, for Dan. You know, I suppose if people um, can become Patreon members, they can call you whatever they want. Oh, that's a good. That, yeah, that's a good um, yeah, bonus. Yeah, yeah. Right. above a certain tier. There's <laughs> <That's right. laughs> a tier where you could be informal with the professor. Uh, Gabby, how do you do? You have a title that you like to go by? Yeah, no, I'm not a doctor yet, so that that's still loading, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, so just still Gabby loading. is fine. Okay. I mean, also, too, on a daily basis, like most scientists, even though like every scientist I work with has a doctorate, like nobody calls each other doctor so-and-so unless right. it's like a very formal yeah. email or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Back when I worked at the <clears throat> laser lab, um, people would only address each other as doctor as an insult. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like when somebody, when somebody made a mistake, they'd be like, oh, nice calculation, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I remember one time I flew, I guess I was going to the United Kingdom and I flew British Air, British Airways. And um, when, you know, when you, uh, you go to buy a plane ticket and some, sometimes they ask you, there's like a little pop-up menu for you to choose. Are you mm-hmm. Mr., Mrs., yeah. Dr., <clears throat> Miss? And uh, boy, on the British Airways thing, it pops up. And this is such a British thing. There's literally like 50 options for titles, <laughs> including His Holiness. And, oh, uh, <laughs> your honor or the honorable and lo- of course, Lord and lady and all this kind of stuff. Of course. Yeah. I chose, I was like, well, screw this. I could be whoever I want. So I chose Air Commodore. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that's know. delightful. I thought, I don't know if that, it did not get me first class. Probably got me third class. Um, Dan says, my topic suggestion is, what the if everybody in the world were blind? I leave it up to you if that means that humans never had, never had eyes or if suddenly everyone in the world turned blind. Um, yeah. How would civilization have developed? And are there things about the universe we probably wouldn't know? Or how would we adapt to such a change if it happened now? And he finishes by saying, Andy Weir, uh, the great science fiction author uh, of The Martian and other works, Andy Weir did a kind of take on this in his latest novel, Project Hail Mary, which I have started, but I have not finished. Um, and Dan says, I'm curious, what would your take be? So thank you, Dan. Super ifer, Dan. And uh, mm-hmm. we're about to announce the fanfare, the John Williams-esque, you know, trumpet blasts. Uh, and Gabby, why, why are we about, what's about to happen? Why, when people hear this music, what should they understand is happening? Yeah. So I think as we've mentioned, our if is a thought experiment where we change one thing about the universe and then follow its ramifications out as far as we can go. And usually that winds up kind of breaking the universe. So us announcing the if is sort of our wailing klaxon 
for the audience <laughs> to acknowledge that, yeah, okay, for the next like 45 minutes, uh, we're going to change the universe. Don't panic. Uh, tough it out. Wear your PPE if appropriate. <laughs> and uh, we'll set it all right at the end. Indeed, indeed. And always remember your pepper as we announce <laughs> the if by asking, what the if? We did not have the sense of sight. Nothing. That wouldn't even be darkness. It would just be nothing. We just wouldn't even know about it. But we'll discuss, is it a change that happens? Or is it something we've always had from the beginning? The thought experiment already has reached a branching point. So we define our terms. Or we, we define, what, Gabby, as, when you begin an experiment, what, what do you call this where you decide, you kind of have come to get to a point where it's like, well, we could do this or we could do that? Um, well, typically that in science, we do both. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, well, just, just a in badass. the way of like being thorough, yeah. um, at least in, in my experience as a graduate student, every time I come up to my PI with an experiment, like, which one of these do I do first? Which is going to tell me most about where to go next? He just yeah. goes, do both. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, kind of when, when you're starting a thought experiment right here, what you want to do is sort of really define the boundaries of it because you can kind of just let your thoughts wander. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. We want to make sure that, you know, a thought experiment where we're talking about vision doesn't somehow include unicorns unless uh. we think that's relevant. So we kind of want to figure out early on what direction this might go, go in. Right, right. So what do you guys think? Um, should, would we like to run an experiment in which we humanity never developed um, the sense of vision or that suddenly um, there is, people lose well, it. Well, I think, yeah. so So never developed will be um, more biological and epistemological. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, suddenly lose vision would be more sociological. Uh um, so uh, if we have a preference for which direction we want to go. I think the biological one would, it would be quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. I think I would, I would be inclined towards that as well. Especially with mm -hmm. the evolution, the evolution question. So what if... Humans, yeah, this is quite fascinating. You know, what if humans d developed without a sense of vision? Um, just checking, I think, if I understand it correctly, um, it, the, isn't it true that the sense of vision is something that w came about early on, in very, very early on in the sea? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We So human evolution, just to kind of lay this out, Yeah. we started as fish, basically. Mm -hmm, if mm -hmm, you look mm -hmm. at the phylogenetic tree of life, technically speaking, we are still fish. Oh, Like almost everything is technically <laughs> still a fish. Wow. We just sort of stopped the line somewhere because if you carried that over, it's a little absurd. Huh. Um, we're all still fish in the way that birds are all still dinosaurs mm -hmm. and the way that reptiles aren't real. Um Reptiles arbitrarily <laughs> don't include birds, but birds would technically be considered reptiles, I think. Oh, really? Anyway, phylogeny yeah. is insane um, <laughs> because anything below that top layer of complexity also applies to that upper layer of complexity. Um, so in that way, because the base of our tree is fish, 
technically we're still fish. Um, nobody argues that. It's just kind of funny. Um, so, yes, we've had vision for a hot minute, in- including when we were fish, at least based on every image I've seen of Tiktaalik, which is kind of the fish-like creature that first wandered at least one of the first that wandered onto land that we think of as like probably one of our earliest common ancestors with all life mm-hmm. on like all surface dwelling life. Um, that thing had eyes, whether or not it had 20, uh, 20 vision. I don't think we know. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it did have vision. Amazing. Amazing. So what we're saying is that this did not happen in our thought experiment here. Right. We didn't, we didn't develop eyes. So, um, well, so yeah, other things could have developed eyes. But by the time it got around to people, we could have lost it or we, again, this is another branch point. We could play it two ways. Either we lost it so far back in the past that we haven't had vision for the entire time that we've been people. Right. So either for some Mm. reason, mammals lost their sense of vision or primates did or just human specific ancestors or yeah, everything that came out of the sea never had vision at all. Well, that's a fascinating, I imagine Imagine that we we don't have vision, and yet we develop science and all this kind of stuff. And uh, at some point, we discover uh, fossils or whatever, uh, or mummified <laughs> remains of our uh, long past ancestors, and they have eyes. And we would have to try and figure out what are these organs, right? We would have no idea. Mm-hmm. In fact, we would have seen similar organs. <laughs> we have seen. We would have felt similar organs in other creatures that we had studied as well uh and never like here this is one of the biggest questions right this concept this is of uh can you what do you do with when there's a sense that you can't imagine having for instance there are creatures that that do things like that for instance we think that yeah birds may have may be able to sense the electromagnetic um the magnetic field of the earth or something, right? That they might even see it in their vision somehow is one hypothesis. But what are we going to say, Matt? Well, oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh. I was just going to say, let's get into yeah. it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Scotty. Uh, well. Uh, yes, where do we start? <laughs> yeah. um, so I was just going to say, like, imagining not having a sense. I mean, birds see in ultraviolet. So that's one uh, extra spectrum that we don't have. And that's sort of usually the the lens by which I try to view a sense that I don't have as an extension of like a sense that I do, if only in my attempt to contextualize it. Right, right. Although we can imagine, mm-hmm. I can imagine that simply by being, imagining, oh, it's just something, something appears in a different color, right? You think that, right? But except it has its own, it, it, it fleshes out the color spectrum. Right. Right. That if you can see if like red and blue make purple, which is a color that like, 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 so if red and blue make purple when they combine, what does blue and a specific ultraviolet wavelength? So they have like, it's not just they have one more color, it's that they have thousands okay. of more colors because oh, they wow. each combine with colors <laughs> that already exist in the visible spectrum to make new ones. Right, right, right. That's is, where the bird colors get me. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Although even more radically, imagine not, ha- in other words, imagine we didn't have a sense of touch and now try to imagine what a sense of touch is. You would have no... Yeah, that'd be... Mm-hmm. Totally bizarre, okay. totally bizarre. So, uh, um, so yeah. let's see here. So, could, so if we imagine a, a critter, our most recent common ancestor, 
um, that never developed sight. Um, what's their life in the world like? Like, mm, how do mm, they get mm. around and gather food and find mates and things like that? Uh, so, is that is there an obvious um, competitor for sight in terms of a primary sense? Are they smelling their way around? I would argue um, either scent or sound. Oh, oh right, might okay. be the two. Yeah, um, like bats are blind, right? Bats no. have no. Oh, they can see? Well, yeah, a lot of bats can see. I mean, not oh, particularly oh, oh. well is my understanding. And, and oh, they okay. do primarily use echolocation, but right. yeah, I'm right. pretty sure they can see. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So my thought is 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 either it, actually we, we can explore this from a couple of different angles, right? Because yeah. it kind of depends mm -hmm. where we are, right? So a very common kind of creature to lose sight is things in caves especially like mm, cave fish, mm, ah, okay. they tend mm -hmm. not to, to have sight. And for them, the way that they navigate the world is through scent and also through essentially touch. It, it kind of works similar to sound underwater in the way that the, they're sensing vibrations. Um, fish have like a, a lateral line, which is like used for sensing. It's mm. slightly electrically conductive, if I remember correctly, but it, it is kind of just like another sensing organ. Uh, that we do not have. It's essentially maybe equivalent to, this is me just trying to like make an analogy. I don't think there's any biological equivalence undermining this. But you ever like tell that somebody is behind you and like the hairs on the back of your neck yeah. stand up? Yeah. Imagine mm -hmm, being sure. able to kind of just do that. And that's sort of what a lateral line on the fish might be able to do. It's 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 used for like sensing the environment. Um, yeah. So they can tell like relation at least to a small degree, relationships of other things around them and like differences in like current that might mean something is moving towards them. Yeah, um, that's pretty neat. So there's that as sort of, I guess, an extension of touch, but a very fine-tuned extension of touch that we would need, may, that might get, conf that if we tried to use it, might get confused by things like wind and clothing. Um, <laughs> that leads to a separate if of, I guess we have to run around completely sightless and naked. Um, <laughs> But well, it, it wouldn't matter. They, it wouldn't. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. I guess we really wouldn't care. Yeah. Um, then I guess the other bits are smell and hearing. Mm. Interestingly, okay. humans do not necessarily have the best sense of smell. Um, it's not true of all mammals. I some. I'm thinking of like bloodhounds. Dogs can be very, very good at it. Um, mm, sure. But. Well, now I'm kind of getting into. Well, maybe we should pick a direction. I, I okay. can I can leave it open to to gallery at all of like what you think would be the best way for humans to do this between scent and sound, um, because scent has been proven. Like you know, you watch you watch a bloodhound track, you know, a missing person through a field and then find them somewhere out in the wilderness. They can do it pretty well. Um, sound is also another one. Um, I'm thinking bats with echolocation, using that to find prey. Um, as well as a little bit of me being a science fiction nut is thinking of like the quiet place yes. and the oh, monsters sure. in yeah. that, that like you make a mm -hmm. noise, they find you. Um, All right. Yeah. Let's do sound. That'd be good. Ooh. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So how do we find things to eat? Um, plants don't make good sound. I was about they? to say that. Yeah. We are omnivores, <laughs> uh, okay. which is a, yeah, it makes hunt, hunting plants through sound a bit of a difficult one. So, with that, in other words, echolocation seemed to be a great tool. 
could we mm -hmm. we could find anything with echolocation, couldn't we? Including plants, or would they not reflect enough sound? Do you think? Like, but bats find trees. Using, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I suppose they find everything using echo. That's right. Presumably, we could infer the shape of something. Yeah. From um, yeah. Uh, from the echolocation. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I uh, I encourage uh, any of our listeners who didn't hear it to go back and listen to the uh, episode we did on bats with uh, Emily Driscoll not that long ago. You can go to our website, whatthef.com. And uh, she talked a lot about echolocation. In fact, one thing she talked about that was astounding was she said, uh, there are people who are blind who use um, echolocation um, in some right, simple fashion that yeah. they could mm -hmm. make clicking sounds and therefore judge uh, where things are in a room, for instance. Um, and, and there is a question as to whether they, are they getting some kind of image in their mind um, somehow related to, you know, this, this, I think she mentioned that um, they have found that the part of the brain that deals with vision lights up when, they, when the people do that echolocation. That's kind cool. Of mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, would, would uh, I don't know if you know this, but I, I'm wondering, it's, I think I heard that um, vision takes up a uh, disproportionate amount of the brain. Um, the amount of the brain. Yeah, enormously so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we would have smaller brains, perhaps. Well, well I, think, no. No. I think it would be that the, the big chunks of our brain would now be dedicated to sound. Right, right, um, right, right. Uh, So we'd get that same kind of hyper fine-grained uh, acoustic detection yeah. instead of the visual. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, Gabby. Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, generally speaking, evolutionarily, if you've got brains that big and that work that well, right. and we assume that we've had enough reasons in this past history, this hypothetical past evolution, to keep the brain, we're not going to lose a big chunk of it. We're just going to exchange it for other things. And there's a bunch okay, of studies, yeah. um, like past neuroscience studies, that involve essentially closing young animals' eyes and then seeing how the brain re rewires itself and it uh -huh. will rewire other senses differently to sort of compensate. Right. So if we don't see, chances are, yeah, our, our big brains are going to be used for sound more. Although if we were, if it, we're talking about this uh, vision never being a part of our evolution uh, and we're just evolving, then the brain would, may not have grown that big because it didn't need, because it wasn't dealing with vision. Now it may have well, grown bigger because there are because... plenty of animals that can see but have pretty small brains. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Haha. -ha. Take that. We're we're, we're pretty big <laughs> thinking creatures. Yeah. 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 Um I just had a thought that if if um if if we're essentially elevating sound to our primary um sense um or essentially it's doing the work that not only sound does for us but sound and vision do for us um and we only mm -hmm. have sound that music would be completely music and just communication of between be, among ourselves would be really different. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I should yeah, point out as the biologist, I think ourselves are going to look pretty different. Ah, yeah. That it's not just a matter of like, did our brains we rewire for sound? Okay, right. we don't have vision, so I guess we care more about sound there's going to be a huge selective pressure then for us to get really, really, really good at hearing things, especially if other yeah. things in our environment can see us. Mm. Yeah. We have to figure out how we can hear that something is silently watching us um, without 
getting just eaten. Um, so there's a number of different ways that animals have adapted to really, really focus on sound. Mm. I'm kind of imagining we're probably going to get much bigger ears and it's mm. going to be a little bit advantageous for us to be able to point them at sounds. Um, yeah. So you think if you've ever uh, watched a yeah. horse, the ears are like constantly swiveling yeah. and like one will be forward, one will be backward hearing something different. Yeah, That's probably going to be a big thing for us. Um, what I don't know if it would change the way that our ability to pinpoint sound currently works. So this is a byproduct of the way our brains are currently wired is that the way that we tell where sound is coming from is we need both ears. Um, right. So mm -hmm. if you're deaf in one ear, you essentially mm -hmm. can't figure out where a sound is coming from because mm -hmm. the the brain sort of uses a race between the, the signaling neurons uh -huh. and telling which one gets there faster to tell you where it's coming from, which side of your body that sound is coming from. Uh -huh. So I don't know how that might change then if we're if we're swiveling our ears or then if we need a really, really, really fine-tuned ability to use sound to tell depth, whether or not we'd have more additional mechanisms for telling where that sound might be. Um, hell, maybe we get more ears. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. And uh, the further spaced apart they are, um, the better we can make, say, parallax measurements. Um, so, yeah, if we could get ears, like, on the end of our limbs, that might actually be pretty handy. Uh -huh. mm. Um, because there, there's a, a huge difference between a, a, a baseline of, um, what, say eight inches across our head, um, and three feet, um, across our hands, Whoa. um, in terms of localization. So that could be really handy. That's wild. Ears on the ends of our hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would probably walk around. You can't see me, of course, yeah. but, um, with my arms outstretched so I could localize things better. So I could hear better right, with right, my ears. Right. Amazing T-posing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you mentioned how you said, you know, I know you can't, I know the listeners can't hear us because they only have sound. So in other words, podcasts would be even more important. That's right. We'd have podcasts before movies. Probably. Well, there would be no yeah. movies. There would be no, be no uh, television. Yeah. yeah, there'd be only radio <laughs> and, and audio <laughs> programs. I like that. I think that's actually pretty cool. Um now, uh, I'm all, always been very curious about the sense of touch, uh, like how that could be. Um, what if sense? What if we? <laughs> it's kind of fun if we continue to pare things away. So let's say let's not say not to mess with the experiment too much and not say we don't have sound. But let's say for whatever reason, a sense of touch, a tactile sense, has become the dominant one. That's the one we use the most. That's our, our brain has devoted the most resources to the sense of touch, um, how mm -hmm. might that work? Now, you could, by the way, sound can be, you can hear things with your entire body. For instance, you know, uh, you can hear, vibra feel vibrations and things like that. Um, be kind of interesting. What kind of body would we have if, it, if the body decided, I'm just going to go all in on touch? Then on touch, hmm. Yeah, the thing with vibrations, reptiles are really good at picking them up. So mm, we mm. probably want to be much lower to the ground if we're exclusively relying on right. vibrations. Like snakes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. The, the bigger you are, the less you feel stuff like that. So uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. 
even if, if, if we want to stay large creatures, we're probably still going to move closer to the ground, I think. Right. Um, another way that other creatures do this is, is by, I'm thinking like spiders and webs. Mm. Um, mm. So oh, in yeah. sort of mm -hmm. manipulating their own environment. Um, humans are very good at manipulating our environment. So I could imagine that, that maybe we do, like, instead of, you know, us weaving textiles for beauty, we start making weird webs. Whoa, that's so cool. Like, that might be, like, a weird human thing. If we rely so much on touch, yes. maybe we just start, because here's the thing about the danger of touch, right? If you want to know what something is, you have to touch it. Yeah. And if it's going to kill you, you just walked up and decided to pet that crocodile like it's a puppy. It can see you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, we're going to have to have some very, very fine-tuned way of, of parsing through that because I think more differently than sound, I think touch can probably be remarkably similar from afar in a way that sound might have more variation. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the World Wide mm -hmm. Web would be a real physical web. Maybe, yeah, if we're going to be some weird spider creatures. Yes. Global um, communication because you have to get on the web, you know, and send signals across it. That's why. Yeah, that would be a very cool community. Yeah. Right, where you're literally tied together. I yeah. did have a fun idea on the sound thing, actually. Uh -huh. Phil saying mm -hmm. worldwide right. web. Yeah. So there's a thing about sound where essentially the, the tone range that we use only travels so far. Mm-hmm. But longer waves can generally travel farther. Mm -hmm. These are really, really, really low, low tones. Think like whale song, or yeah. it's kind of how we think like T-Rexes might have talked to each other. Mm -hmm. But it turns out this travels extremely, extremely far, things like infrasound. So what if humans just became really good at like infrasound to talk to each other? Yeah. That rather than communicating on these mm -hmm. levels, human societies could operate like miles and miles and miles apart and then yeah. just like deep base conversations with oh, each other. Oh, yeah. like it. Yeah. That'd be wild. Yeah. yeah, because we kind of organize our our physical space generally so we can interact with each other by seeing, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which generally means close and no obstacles. Um, but yeah, if we're communicating by infrasound, the office could be miles spread over miles, and that would be fine, yeah. right? Because we could still talk just as effectively. Um I guess limited by the speed of sound would probably be our, our limitation. Mm -hmm. um, that would also mean we can hear through obstacles quite well, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it would be a low privacy society, um, <laughs> since you could always, Maybe, always yeah. hear what everybody else is wow. saying. And that might be okay. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, exploration underground would be very easy. Oh, wow. All right. You might be able to, because you'd be able to hear how different sound waves, how sound waves travel through different density rock. <laughs> um, so like you could find an oil well um, or a vein of ore just by having, <laughs> you have you have your buddy walk a long way away yeah. mm -hmm. and then, and then sing yeah. and then you listen. Yeah. Um, and then everybody who's spread out listens to how the, the waves arrive in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then they say, okay, there's something high density. There. So seismologists would also be rock stars, right? Because they just <laughs> is, is that a pun? Rock stars? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, I didn't even uh, realize that. 
Sorry, I'll be here all week, guys. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's kind of neat, too, to assume uh, that... Uh, Freya. Oof. Freya's on the Sorry, move. Freya's, Freya's on the desk here. Sorry. Let's ask her. What does she think? Speaking of good sound. Yeah, she has good sound. Uh, abilities. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but Gabby, you're about to say something before we were interrupted by the dog. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was just going to say, so, I mean, if we're talking about humans that don't have vision, a really common way that animals wind up losing their sight is essentially by living underground for really long periods of time. It's not just mm, that, mm-hmm. you know, the sight goes away because it's not being used. No, it actually is kind of like that, right? Where like, you know, there's no selective pressure to keep your eyesight. Right. It's essentially genetic baggage. You're putting uh, energy and nutrients into maintaining this thing when really it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And so then over time, organisms who sort of maybe, you know, use that brain space for other things, like, you know, silence all of the genes for vision and use that energy elsewhere can, you know, make out better in terms of sound processing or vibration processing. So, yeah, if we're now creatures that, like, have infrasound, even going underground is much easier, but maybe we kind of came from there in this yeah. sort of altered evolution. Yeah. And cool. you could communicate yeah. with someone on the other side of the planet, right? Perhaps even more easily than you could someone close by because you could, uh, you're, you mm-hmm. could get signals to, depending on, like, on the dense, if, the rock, if you found a particularly, I don't know, isn't, isn't that true? If there was a particularly dense section of rock, your sound waves would travel faster through it to the other side of the earth, mm-hmm. perhaps. Then, then yeah, so that's how you, yeah, how you, um, so that's how I should say how we figure out things like um, uh, that the core of the earth is of a particular size right. and made of particular materials. So we, we have to wait for earthquakes um, to make right. those waves right. for us. Um, but yeah, we could just do it with our buddies. So. And, and earthquakes, we would have plenty of warning probably because we would be able to sense it. Uh, that's probably right. <laughs> You'd hear could, them constantly. Yeah, so it's, you know? mm-hmm. All right, it's safe to live in San Francisco again. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe let me synergize a couple of these things All right. into maybe mm-hmm. what of we course. look like, because yeah. I think we've we've uh, yeah. added some attributes awesome. to this mixed bag of what humanity is going to look like. So we live underground. Yeah. We're better at touch and sensing vibrations, so we're probably a little bit lower to the ground. Also, if we have live underground, there's no reason for us to be bipedal. Uh, uh, we, we walk yeah. upright oh, yeah. because we want mm-hmm. to be able to see over grasses and spot predators, essentially, right. is my understanding. So we're like mole, um, and so, mole rats or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're going to be a little bit like mole people. Mm-hmm. Um, we communicate wrong with that. <laughs> via infrasound. So we are capable of contacting other humans over extremely long distances. Yeah. And... I th- and then we have ears on multiple different parts of our bodies, including yeah. down to our hands, okay. so yeah. that we can mm-hmm. sense sounds okay. from long distances away. That's so cool. freaky. We have so made a very say, creepy humanity. Yeah, yeah. we have indeed. Um, so the not standing upright thing is pretty important. Um, in that, I don't know, I guess anthropologists seem to still have arguments about this. Um, but that's got to be one of the defining features that makes us human. Um, and whether or not that makes, uh, and that's necessary for tool use, right? Because mm. people mm. point out that once you're standing upright, then you have two limbs free. And the two limbs free were probably originally for climbing, but it also lets us carry um, stone axes and iPhones. Um, so if, if we're not standing upright, we don't have limbs free and we may not have tools the same way that we do now. 
Um, I don't know what technology looks like if you can't stand up to use it. Um, but you could develop, for instance, one of the, I can imagine developing, you could still develop, for instance, the wheel or somehow, I, I guess, although you need hands to be able to chisel the wheel. Anyway, but I can imagine something that you climb on top of might be one of the first kinds of tools. Like if you want to be um, taller, for instance, uh, or move faster, you might, if you had, if you had logs or something, you could roll on logs and then realize, oh, there's, that might be a way forward. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe I'll I'll give us credit and, and maybe put to, like you know the free hands back on the table. We could be some kind of creature that lives in burrows and comes mm, up. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. I think when Phil mentioned mole people, I did start thinking of naked mole rats, and they do yeah. eventually come up. So I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> oh, like yeah. that that maybe there's some sense here that we could be mole rat people. So then eventually we do wind up above ground, and then can. Uh, can have our, our standing and maybe then it's very important for us to stand and be able to hear out above a certain level so we can get maybe yeah. a full 360 idea of what's around us. As soon as you said we live in burrows, I suddenly imagined us being a lot cuter than I was imagining us before. So I appreciate that. Well, that's yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. Now think, the, think bunnies, hopefully, rather than... Yeah, yeah, more, more bunnies. Uh, the last thing, and, and we may not be able to go very far in this, it may be something that takes us uh, into our extended episode, which is only for Patreon listeners, perhaps, but uh, I leave us with this last sense. What if, this, what if the dominant sense were taste? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, we just we just go around licking the ground until we find yeah. something yummy. Yeah. I, um, as a scientist, let me just tell you, a lot of science is going to be impossible. Oh. Uh, there is a lot of science you should not be licking as yeah. a means of identification. Well, that is a good point. Um, and I am just reminded of last <laughs> week's episode and the alchemists' uh, fifty gallons of pee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's right. The discovery of phosphorus becomes extremely disgusting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, that's a that's a horrifying thing that I think I've just left our listeners with. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know we would develop. Uh, um, you know we had bigger ears for um, to capture more sound and uh, things like that. So I think we would just have larger tongues. Well, I think essentially our entire body would be would tongue have creatures. To be tongue creatures, yeah. yeah, just just tongues crawling along <laughs> the ground. I guess we're slugs, actually. Oh, is that yeah. what a slug is? Yeah. Yeah, um, it's basically a big tongue. Yeah, it's big, <laughs> just just basically big tongues. Yeah, um, that's pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, I should say, in all of these situations, one thing that we're not going to have is astronomy. Ah, uh, um, well, yeah, because we're you can't if you're smelling or hearing, you're dependent on the atmosphere, so you can get zero information from beyond the edge of the. However, atmosphere. however, in the movie Contact. Um, which, you know, based on the novel by Carl Sagan, um, the Bob Zemeckis film, um, there is a blind astronomer character played by Jimmy Smith. And I remember seeing that and thinking, and I had not read the novel or anything, but I was like, that just seems so cheesy. Like, come on, a blind astronomer? Like, what? You know, that is some sort of (laughs) cheesy thing, right? And then I was at a, um, a SETI conference, and different astronomers got up and spoke, and an astronomer came up, and his name, I believe his name was uh, Kent Colors, and he was blind. And he was the real astronomer that this, he was the inspiration, that this yeah. character was based on. He was a radio astronomer. And so mm-hmm. he then played on his little uh, Walkman, he played these audio cassettes 
of the sounds that he would hear by uh, <clears throat> taking radio signals that had come in off the Arecibo telescope, and he would transpose these into the human range, which they were not okay. exactly. But he said, I'm mm -hmm. blind, and he remembered getting into astronomy because his father, when he was very, he was blind since birth, uh, his father had given him a 3D tactile map of the galaxy. And he oh, remembers feeling cool. that, oh, I'd love to see and he that. got into astronomy. And then when he discovered radio astronomy, in fact, he was a genius. He was one of the geniuses behind coming up with the um, the software that allows them to uh, scan the skies for a set. Yeah, so that's right. So we so for things like radio astronomy, um, we turn radio images into pictures because most people are sighted. Yeah. Um, but in recent years, there's people like Kent who have been making uh, doing it with audio instead yeah. so you listen to the data instead of see it and there's no reason to privilege a visual representation of something that is not itself right. visual um so all kinds of interesting things come out of that yeah so that's an active field of work yeah. too um sonification it's called sonification of mm -hmm. data um and part of the argument is that different parts we use different parts of the brain for seeing and hearing so maybe we can find things um uh, by listening for them that we couldn't see otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would actually be a great day for our hearing only critters when they finally invent radio yeah. and discover that there's a whole universe outside their atmosphere that they didn't know about. Totally, totally, totally. Um, I would just, I'm going to leave it as a experiment for our students if for bonus, for bonus, uh, homework, if they want extracurricular activity is to find out how a, uh, Creatures that uh, are predominantly, that predominantly rely on taste, perhaps exclusively on taste, to make it even harder, how they become astronomers. That's right. That will be a little yeah. trickier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We might take that up in our Patreon uh, program. Meanwhile, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that that Matt is doing yeoman's work uh, here right now, um, fending mm -hmm. off Freya like a lion tamer. With a stool that is almost, and a whip. That is almost exactly <laughs> the metaphor. <Yeah. laughs> Gabby, any last thoughts from this uh, experiment that uh, Super Ifer Dan uh, launched us on? This was really fun. And, and it's interesting, right? Like we didn't mm. even get into the like sociology, how societies are changing that much. We yeah. spent a while yeah. just sort of brewing up our, our new mole people versions of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think this was a, a very fun one. Um, to do and to, to think about and poke at. Yeah, it might become a two-parter. Sometimes we do. We find that we, oh, that the good, launch yeah. uh, phase is uh, just barely gets us off the pad, and then we like to explore further. Uh, Matt, uh, if you're able, no, no. He has no <laughs> thoughts. Freya says... Yeah, I got to sign off, guys. Okay. Oh. Goodbye, Matt. Good luck. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Goodbye. He's got his lion taming to do. Freya was taking over the whole office. I did hear a lot of assorted paper crinkling when he yeah. was attempting to fend her off. So I can only think that he has <laughs> that she has some poor, like doctoral students' yeah. like, dissertation <laughs> hot off the presses that she is savaging yes. off camera. Yes, yes. I think she heard all that talk about all the different senses and things like that, and she was just getting excited. She's like, "I have yeah, taste." She's very much employing her sense of taste to yeah. read Matt's books. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, shout out to Matt and thank thank you, Matt, for. Uh, for bringing Freya to us, and Freya, good luck with your your conquest of the humans. Um, <laughs> uh, Gabby, is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything coming up? Uh, yeah, coming out, I think it's 
a week and a half from now oh my goodness. is finally that anthology that I've been plugging forever. Yep. Um, it's Neon Hemlock Press's Luminescent Machinations. It is a short fiction anthology uh, of which I have one of the stories in there. Um, so yes. check it out if you'd like. There's uh, ebook and also hardcover book editions available through Neon Hemlock Press. Fantastic. And I've been putting the link for that in our show notes. So uh, if, you're, if you're on a podcast app, just uh, scroll over to the uh, description for today's episode and you'll see the link there. Um, of course, you can also go to our website, whattheif.com, and you'll see uh, a link there as well. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you for that special um, if this week. That was a really uh, awesome and mind-expanding one, as your ideas always are. We appreciate that. And we thank you, Dan, also. And we thank um, everyone else who's a Patreon supporter who's been joining us um, over the past year or so. Um, it's really wonderful. Uh, if you don't know what it is, please check it out. Uh, Patreon.com slash what the if. Um, and so, uh, Gabby, can you help us uh, understand um, the closing rituals that, that yeah. are now uh, being built up? around. Every, you, you, yeah, you see the color guard coming in. We see the cannons being rolled in and you know <laughs> things like that. The flags are going up. Uh, what's happening? Yeah. So, I mean, as I promised, we are going to set the universe that we broke right again. Um, and so as we are faced with this new reality in which humans have become some type of non-seeing, hyper-hearing, infrasound-speaking <laughs> mole people, we cannot help but not shout the name of the show in slow motion. What? what? The, the Thank you, Dan Floyd. Thank you, all our Patreon supporters. And thank you, listeners, from wherever you're coming in from. We hope you had a wonderful and sense-filled sense show today. And we'll see you and smell you and touch you and taste you, whether you like it or not. That's getting too far, Phil. Next week. <laughs> <laughs>